by Professor D.S. Popowicz, January 2021. Sex and Gender. Sex is not gender. While the terms are often used interchangeably in popular culture, gender refers to the social and cultural constructions associated with the sexes, for example, masculinity and the male sex. Gender is also intertwined with a person's psychological identity, and one's feelings about who they are may not align with their assigned biological sex at birth. Traditionally, many societies have viewed humans as either belonging to the male sex or the female sex, however, biological sex is not that straightforward. Working from a traditional definition, sex can be defined through biology, for example, chromosomes, reproductive anatomy, for example, uterus and visible genitalia, and secondary sex features, for example, tissue and skeletal features. Anthropology does not debate how many sexes exist, instead, we understand that variation is found in all biological organisms, and in many situations, the biological sex of an individual is not easily determined through skeletal interpretation. Keeping that in mind, anthropologists estimate sex. In other words, based on skeletal features, anthropologists comment on how consistent a skeleton is with the secondary sex features associated with male or female sex or if the features are indeterminate. While sex can be estimated from the human skeleton, gender cannot be estimated from the skeleton. To comment on a person's gender, cultural artifacts associated with the remains must be analyzed. This, however, is not clear-cut either. Historical context and cultural elements specific to a society must be thoroughly understood and supported through the archaeological record, for example. Why estimate sex? If sex is such a contentious matter, why do anthropologists even try to say if a person is male or female? Many people identify with one of the sexes and the socially attributed slash constructed gender. Further, while certain skeletal features might not be textbook male or female, they can be ranked and allow a highly accurate approximation based on skeletal features. As for variation, according to ISNA, Intersex Society of North America, 2008, some 1 in 1500 children are born with atypical genitalia and require a specialist in sex differentiation. Many differences, notes ISNA, 2008, do not appear until later in life such that experts suggest 1 in 100 people differ from standard male and female bodies. Keeping the above in mind, Estimating sex is a necessary component in forensic anthropology. It helps discover positive identity and solve cases where no clear legal identity is available. Concerning bioarchaeology, understanding ancient peoples and past civilizations will also involve estimating sex. For example, by analyzing bones for signs of occupational injuries, bioarchaeologists can comment on who was responsible for certain types of labor or whether interpersonal conflict was prominent in a society, for example, abuse. This type of analysis, then, can shed light on the way that past people, before the written record interacted and perceived each other. For example, did they treat each other equally or did they embrace social stratification and inequality? Caution when estimating sex. Estimating sex can be quite simple among some animals because of the high degree of sexual dimorphism that exists. For example, as shown below, the differences between a male orangutan and a female orangutan are significant. Sexual dimorphism between a female, left, and male, right, orangutan. The differences between chimpanzees, however, is less obvious and it is impossible to determine the difference between a male and female cockatoo in the absence of a blood test. Further, it is nearly impossible to identify the sex differences between male and female infants and prepubescent individuals from skeletal analysis. Other considerations include the overall changes in human stature that have occurred throughout human history. For example, before the invention of farming, humans were, on average, taller than people following the adoption of farming.
Over the last century, however, with nutritional advances, in addition to advances in public health, the stature of many populations is increasing. Keeping this in mind, when estimating sex based on anthropometrics, trends common during a particular period must be considered. Changes in the stature of males in Canada, as an average, over the last 100 years. Credit, NCD. In addition to stature in the historical timeline, height, for example, varies by ancestry. As such, an estimation of sex must consider ancestry in the interpretation of the skeletal remains. Average stature of contemporary females based on ancestry. Sex estimation, techniques, non-juveniles. As discussed in It's in the Bones, Evidence of the Past, Popowicz, 2017, both anthroposcopy and anthropometry are used to estimate sex. As noted, anthroposcopy involves a visual inspection of skeletal features and interpretation while anthropometry involves measurement of certain long bones, for example. Both of these techniques are used in forensic anthropology and bioarchaeology. Anthroposcopic analyzes. Males tend to be taller than females, and their features tend to be more robust. For example, various landmarks on the female skull exhibit significant variation when compared to a male skull. Variation based on secondary sex features is called sexual dimorphism. For example, males tend to have a large mastoid process on the temporal bone, they have a well-defined nuchal crest on the occipital bone and a robust gabello on the frontal bone. In addition, oftentimes a male exhibits an extended zygomatic arch, a flattened forehead, lacks double bossing on the frontal bone, a robust supraorbital brow ridge, a sharp orbital ridge, and higher set and rounded orbits. The three-dimensional skull below will allow you to explore some of the features of the skull that are used to estimate sex. Female cranium with annotations by Durham Archaeology on Sketchfab. Although there are clearly some major differences between the female and male skull, keep in mind that while there is variation between sexes, there is also variation within sexes. As such, textbook examples of the female and male skull are based on the extremes. In other words, while a large mastoid process is a textbook male feature, some males have small mastoid processes and overlap the range seen in females who have large mastoid processes. Keeping this in mind, the skull can provide accuracy from 80 to 90% when estimating sex. In contrast to the skull, because the female pelvic girdle is structured differently for reproduction, it provides the most accurate insight into sex, especially when using the specialized Phoenix method. Using an anthroposcopic approach, then, in general, the following areas on the pelvic girdle are significant the greater sciatic notch, the subpubic arch, the pubic bone, the ventral arc, and the pelvic outlet. Male pelvis with annotations by Durham Archaeology on Sketchfab. The Phoenix method relies on analysis of the 1. ventral arc, 2. subpubic concavity, and the 3. ischiopubic ramus. The ventral arc and the subpubic concavity can be seen from the ventral or anterior view as illustrated below. The ischiopubic ramus is located on the inferior ramus of the pubis and the inferior ramus of the ischium. In females, the ischiopubic ramus has a pinched sharp edge whereas the ischiopubic ramus is flat in males. Medial view of a female's right oscoxa exposing the ischiopubic ramus, highlighted in red. Anthropometric analyzes. In order of significance, the pelvic girdle and the skull yield the highest degree of accuracy when estimating sex through anthroposcopic techniques. In many situations, the lack of complete skeletal samples or indeterminate interpretations is bolstered through anthropometrics. For example, as discussed above, males tend to be taller than females. As such, the length of a femur can be acquired and compared to known average femoral lengths by ancestry. Femoral measurements used to estimate sex. Credit, Paul Gee, ResearchGate. 
As shown below, these types of anthropometric dimorphisms exist for all long bones in the human skeleton. Female-slash-male dimorphisms in centimeters. Credit, M. Sloss, Ph.D., ResearchGate. Interpreting Estimations. Anthroposcopic Analyzes, Skull. Given the variation that exists, when using anthroposcopic analyzes, features are rated from minimal to maximal expression, and calculated. For example, the figure below provides a rating system from 1 to 5 for 5 features associated with the skull. In situations where the features align with female secondary sex features, and the rating is low, for example, 4 of a possible 25 points, the sex is estimated as female. Similarly, where values are high, for example, 20 of a possible 25 points, the skull would be considered most consistent with male sex. Finally, where values are in between minimal and maximal scoring, for example, 12 of a possible 25 points, the sex might be defined as indeterminate. Importantly, anthropologists work with the facts and do not suggest a sex that is not supported by the analysis, it is okay to say that it cannot be accurately determined. The diagrams below illustrate the dimorphisms that are generally common between females and males, a value of 1 represents a minimal expression as seen in highly feminized skulls while a value of 5 represents a maximal expression as seen in highly masculinized skulls. Remember, interpretation of the skull alone provides 80-90% to 90% accuracy. As shown below, the morphisms between the female and male gabella and bossing. Differences between the zygomatic extension in females and males are shown below. Dimorphisms between the female and male mastoid process are depicted below. Anthroposcopic analyzes, pelvic girdle. As discussed in your textbook, the analysis of any single long bone has an accuracy of approximately 50%. Estimations based on the skull alone, yield 80-90% to 90% accuracy. The pelvic girdle, because of anatomical differences associated with reproduction, can offer 95-100% to 100% accuracy when estimating sex. At a glance, the arch inferior to the pubic symphysis offers insight into the sex of the individual. Females tend to exhibit a wide subpubic angle whereas males have a narrow subpubic angle, female presented on the left and a male on the right. The greater sciatic notch can also be rated for minimal expression, value 1 female, to maximal expression, value 5 male. As part of the Phoenix method, the ventral arc exhibits significant dimorphism as well. A well-defined ventral arc, value 1, is correlated with female skeletal anatomy whereas the lack of a ventral arc, value 5, is correlated with male skeletal anatomy. Keeping this in mind, the subpubic concavity and the ischiopubic ramus can be rated from 1 to 5. Anthropometric analyzes. As discussed, long bones can offer further support for the sex of the individual where clear skeletal assessments are not entirely possible. These interpretations can improve the degree of certainty. Then, in situations where partial skeletal materials are present or multiple skeletons are excavated in a burial. As shown below, there are female and male ranges for long bone measurements. For example, the minimum length of a female femur is calculated at 359 mm whereas the maximum length is 508 mm, and an average of 430 mm. Male C femoral lengths between 370 mm and 514 mm with an average often calculated at 480 mm. Keeping this in mind, there will be areas of overlap between females and males. Adapted to include average female and male femoral lengths from the orthopedic network. References Byers, S. 2011. Forensic Anthropology. Boston, Prentice Hall. How Common is Intersex? 2008, Intersex Society of North America. https colon slash slash isna.org slash fax slash frequency slash. 
Orthopedic Network. ND. Average Females and Male Femoral Lengths. Popowicz, DS, 2018. It's in the Bones, Evidence of the Past. New York, Pearson.